0: We're starting a brand new series today called Divine Direction. Divine Direction. This is a really big deal because in my 15 plus years in ministry, the number one question that I hear often, it's something that I ask all the time too, is what should we do? We have questions all the time on what does God want me to do? What's the best path? Many times we're faced with decisions and as Christ followers, if we're following after Jesus, the question comes up often, what what should we do? What is God's will for my life? And I, I don't know if you've ever Ever felt that way, but we're going to start this series today and really take a look at what God has to say about it. And the decisions that we make, they really do matter. Even the small decisions we make. Matter of fact, the decisions that we make now will determine the stories that we tell later. Do you ever think about it that way? That many times the decisions that you're making right now, the decisions that you're doing in life presently will determine the stories that you get to tell in the future. So decisions are a really big deal, and they really matter. And decisions, honestly, they can be really stressful. Making a decision can be, and some of us, you know, some people are just really good. They're just It seems like they're just natural. Nothing seems to rattle them, and they're just always on, right, making those decisions. But some of us, we aren't really great at making decisions. And some of us, as husbands, we make the mistake of asking our wife where she wants to eat for dinner that night, right? And it's like, then you truly really try to make a decision, and then you're like, well, let's just go anywhere. And then you list three places. Well, I don't want to go anywhere those places. Well, you just said you can go anywhere. It's just, and so making decisions can be really hard. And, and, and I don't know about you, sometimes I feel like I'm not always the best decision maker. I feel like I regret. I don't know if you've ever felt that way, that you regret making decisions. Or maybe you've regretted a decision after you said something like, watch this right? And you've instantly regretted what after came that. Or if you're a redneck and you're proud about it, you're like, hold my beer, right? And you really regretted whatever came after that statement, right? It's like, you know, whatever happens from here on out, this was not a good decision. And I don't know if that's just me, if I felt that way, but it just it just happens. And maybe you've had decisions you've regretted where you're like, I should have never dated that guy, right? I, I, that just was a terrible thing. I shouldn't have bought that car. What was I thinking? It was just, oh man, it just seemed amazing in the moment. and the, just I shouldn't have done it. I'd regret it instantly. Or how about this one. I shouldn't have eaten that, or I shouldn't have eaten that much, right? This week, I made a terrible decision. I found some, like, cookie mix that someone gave us, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make chocolate chip cookies. Terrible decision. Why? Because I'm going to eat them all. I mean, you just cannot not eat fresh-based chocolate chip cookies, and so we regret those decisions that we have to make, but decisions sometimes aren't so trivial, like making chocolate chip cookies. Many times, they're really big deal in our life, like, say, should we keep dating, or should we break up, or should I go to this school? Maybe you ever felt that tension if you're in school now, maybe you wonder that. Or should I major in business, or should I major in pre-med, or should I take this new job, or should I stick with the one that I have? Should I get married now, or should I wait till later in life? Should I, should I have kids? We've already got two. Should we have a third, or should we just get snip-snipped? You know, there's those big decisions, you know, should we stay? Should we go? Should we buy a new car? Should we keep the ride that we already have? We, we have big decisions that we face all the time. And many times, we want some direction from God. Like, God, in the midst of all of this, like, what should I do? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. And the interesting thing is, is as we take a look at this, uh, many times with the younger generations, Generation Z, which would be the youngest, and then even millennials, what we're finding is that many times, Millennial Generation Z have a really hard time making decisions. And really, this is because of the day and age that we live in. It's because choices, they've just become so much greater, right? Like before you would graduate school and it was like you went to college because you could afford it Or you just went and got a job, right? And that was it. There were no other options, you know, it was like Start a family, start working, or you went to school, you went to college because your family could afford it. Now, I mean, it is all over the place. I mean, you can, you you do think they go to college, take a gap year, go travel? Do I do tech school, a trade school, traditional college? Do I do it online? Do I do an internship? There's just so many options to face today, and and I get this, I understand this because you know when I'm watching TV. We don't have cable, we have an antenna. Shout out, anyone still have an antenna? I hung that thing up. We have an antenna for our TV. So it gets, you know, you don't get very many channels. So when you're watching antenna TV, there are only so many channels you can watch. So, you know, typically we're going to end up watching The prices Right, right? I mean, there's just, if you have an antenna, there are not a lot of choices. You just, you know, oh, wow, six things are on and, you know, half of the channels are just, they're like selling stuff on TV. And so it's really easy to make a decision. Now, if I watch Netflix, that's a whole nother story. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I have sat down to watch something on Netflix and I have scrolled for a half hour through the remote in frustration and be like, there's nothing to watch, right? I And there's literally thousands of, And I've done this before, I promise, it's really happened to me where I'm just like, I'm so frustrated, I'm like, there's nothing to watch, this is all garbage, I'm done with this, I hate Netflix, right, because there's so many choices, it's so tough, and that's what's happening with these generations where it's just so hard to make a decision, and so we try to make a perfect decision, and because we don't know what the perfect decision is, we don't make any decision, and many times, no decision ends up being a bad decision, and so it's really tough to make these decisions. And as we take a look at this over the next couple of weeks, I'm so excited about this. We're going to take a look and talk about building a foundation to look for divine direction, to take a look at what is God saying to me? How is he leading me? How should I process this, these decisions that I'm trying to make? The interesting thing is, we take a look at this is that God really doesn't say much about the future, but he has a whole lot to say about today. He has a whole lot to say about today. So when we ask the question, what is important to God? We have to ask the question of what is it that God cares about when we're making these decisions? So the first one, if you're taking notes, here it is. This is what God cares about when we're making decisions. God cares about the who before the do. Well, what does that mean? Well, rhyme doesn't really mean anything. Thought I'd throw it in there. No, it actually is really important. The who before the do. That God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you are doing. So way before the decision that we make of figuring out what it is that we're going to do, God is really concerned with the who. Take a look at this verse in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, God's will is for you to be holy. Well, what does that mean? God's will for you to be holy, like holy Bible. Like, what is holy? That's kind of weird. Well, really, that word holy, if you take a look at what it originally meant, it just means to be different. It means to be set apart. So basically, God's will for us is to not look like everyone else in the world. If you've made a decision to follow after God, if you're living for Christ, if you've surrendered your life to him, God's will is for us to be different. We shouldn't be driven by the same values that the the rest of the world is driven by the markers that we use to make decisions in our life should be based upon how Christ lived his life by the standard that God has set for us. And so basically, God is saying, my will for you is to be different. My will for you is to be set apart, that if you've said yes to Jesus, that I want you to be holy. So God is more concerned with the who long before we figure out what it is that we're going to do. God wants us to become more like Jesus. The interesting thing is that Bible never really talks about your career. I don't know if you've found this before. If you're trying to figure out what to do for a job, it's not that you can really consult it and be like, oh, let's go in the book of Acts and see what I should do for a living. No, it's not really in there. Like, oh, Paul was a tent maker. Maybe I should do that. Let's go make tents. Tell me how that works out for you. Maybe there's a whole scene on Etsy that I don't know about, and they make tents. That'd be awesome. But it doesn't really talk about, a career. It talks about a calling to be like Jesus. And the interesting thing is, is Jesus doesn't even talk about people's careers. He talks about two things. He talks about character and he talks about calling. And the really interesting thing I think about Jesus is that when he talks about someone's job, it simply looks like this. Hey, um, why don't you give that up and come follow me instead? That's when Jesus talks about jobs, right? He's like, I see what you're doing there. That's great. I'm probably going to mess up your long-term plan here, but why don't you just throw in Towel on that. Quit that job. Not sure how it's going to work out. Just come follow me. That's what Jesus talks about when he talks about people's careers. So we ask the question: What does God want me to do? We've really got to start with the question. Said it says: Who does God want me to become? See, there's a big difference there. Who does God want me to become? So I'm going to ask a question. You guys, be nice to me on this one. If Do you believe that it's God's will for me to be a pastor? Anyone think that it's God's will? Some of you haven't known me very long. A few of you do. A few of you are giving me big eyes, like, I don't know if I should answer this. I feel like this is a trick question. Not a trick question at all. I feel it's God's will for me to be a pastor. I hope so. If not, I've wasted, like, the last 15 years. But, you know, I feel that that's God's will for my life. But here's the interesting thing. This is the secondary purpose or calling in my life. Beyond being a pastor, more than that, it's God's will for my life that I live holy, that I live different, that I'm set apart. See, to be a pastor is what I do, but to faithfully live for Jesus is who I am or who I'm striving to be. See, and I could preach a really great message and just come in here and preach the paint off the walls, and it's amazing. Everyone's hooping and hollering. But if I did that and I I just gave the best messages ever, but I went home and I was abusive to my wife, or mistreated my children, then I would be completely out of God's will, right? That wouldn't be right. I could be a really charismatic leader and just be like, oh, wow, Brian's amazing, and he gets all this stuff done, and it's just awesome. He's such a great leader. It's amazing to see how God uses him. But if I'm not faithful in my business pursuits and I'm not paying my bills and taking care of those things, I would be out of God's will. See, because God is more concerned with who I am than what I do. And honestly, God would rather me do anything else with integrity than to be a pastor without it. See, God is more concerned with who we are becoming than what it is we are doing. And so when we begin to ask ourselves these questions, and it may look, should I, should I marry this person or, or should I wait? Well, the more important question is, are you being faithful to Christ in the season that you are currently in? Whether you take a job that is looking great or like, should I stay in this one beyond? Whatever happens in that decision, are you being faithful to Jesus in the middle of that process? Whether you join or you go into a major for elementary education or you decide on the pre-med route. When in the midst of it, are you being faithful to Jesus? God's will is more about who you are than what you do. You're probably thinking, man, Brian, when I started the series, we talked about divine direction. I thought we were going to talk about how to figure out what God wants me to do. We're going to get there. But today, we really got to take a look and figure this out. If you are becoming the right who, you will choose the right Do. I don't know with all these who and do's, I'm feeling like Dr. Seuss today. I don't know if it's coming across that way, but it just feels that way. Horton, here's a who, all that good stuff. But anyway, the right who, if you become the right who, you will choose the right do. All right, the next one, second one, what is God's will for my life when we're trying to figure out this divine direction? God cares about the why before the what. Long before we figured out, God, why, why, the what is more important. Why? Because motives matter to God. Motives absolutely matter to God. The reason why we do something and the reason why we make a decision, I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, not even in what should I do, choice A or choice B, but God is concerned with why we are choosing which one of these options. Take a look at what it says in Proverbs 16, 2. You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. Why, if some of you are like, husband, that's your life verse right there, right? You think everything you do is right. The Bible just called you out. I don't know about you. The Bible called me out on that. We all feel that way, right? We all feel like what we do and the decisions we make are right. Now, sometimes we're willing to admit that we make a poor decision. But for the most part, we feel like we're doing the right thing, that we're looking out for ourselves, that we've got this thing figured out. But God judges our motives. He's not just concerned about us making the right decision on cho- choice a or choice B, but he wants to know why we're making. What is the motive behind it? And I love this old saying. It's you know pretty much there's two reasons for why you do something: the reason you tell everybody, and then the reason you really do it. Right? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. The reason it's because it sounds good. So you're going to give them that answer. As I was preparing for this this week, I couldn't help but remember this one time. I was really young. I'm going to say like eighth grade, middle school. And I, I was in cafeteria for lunch, and I went and told the teacher that, hey, I, I've got to go meet with my science teacher, um, you know, I'm struggling in the class, and, you know, I, I, I need tutor and all this good stuff, which wasn't, wasn't the truth. And this story's not going where you think it is. You think I'm, like, trying to play hooky and just get out of it. This, this story gets really twisted. You ready for this? So earlier that day, we had a science class, and it was earth science, and they bring out all these rocks and they set them around the perimeter of the room. And so they would sit down at each station, and you'd get a certain amount of time. They would time you, and you'd have to discover what kind of rock or mineral it was in front of you. and you, So you'd write it down on your little piece of paper. And so this guy who's sitting next to me, and he was just one of those guys in school that just... Oh, you know, always just giving you a hard time, just kind of, you know, you know the type, slacking, never pulling their own weight, just kind of causing problems all the time. Well, I just was fortunate enough to be sitting right next to him, and he followed me through the entire test. And so he was copying every answer that I wrote down. So what did I do? I purposely wrote down the wrong answer on every single one of the questions on the test. This is why I really had to go talk to my teacher, because I had to tell him this. I'm like, hey, I know I failed this test, but now I have to give you the real reason on why I did it is because this guy was trying to copy my answers. Well, my teacher, I didn't know if he was going to be mad. I didn't know. He just starts crying laughing. Like, he can't even stop laughing. So during lunch, I get to retake the test, go around, and just Brian, you know, marking all the correct answers. He's like, all right, take this one. throws the old one away. Well, the, the best part about this story is that this was a teacher who posted grades on the wall I don't know if you've ever had that happen. This teacher would like, you know, the grades would be on the wall. Well, this guy had no clue that when he went up and looked and he had a big fat F on there that I somehow had an A on it and he didn't put the two together. It does not compute, but that, that's a true story. That really happened. That's the only time I've ever been that sly before. I've never figured anything out. I'm not really that smart, but it's a true story. I was like, not today, not today, bully. You are not not cheating on my test today. It's all over, and so there's the real reason why I had to go. I didn't need tutored by my teacher. It was that I tricked somebody in the family test. I feel so guilty about that. It's just such a shameful thing. Lord, forgive me the motive in my heart on what I did, but it's a true story, and so there's two reasons for why we do something. What sounds good and what what really happened, and and Jesus actually warns us about practicing righteous acts to be seen by people. He called people out for it all the time. There's this group of religious leaders, and Jesus totally called them out all the time. It was like their motives were just to look good. They wanted people to think that they were really great or that they were really holy or different or special or they were following after God, but the motives of their heart were just so impure. They just did it because they wanted people to think that they were awesome Jesus actually says if we live our lives like that, that we actually lose our reward from God. There's this prayer in Psalm 39 where it says, search my heart, O God. And this is something that I will pray, even in the decisions that I make, and something I would encourage you that when we're making those decisions, search my heart, God. Like, what what truly is my motive behind this? Why am I really wanting to do this? See, my motives can be me-centered instead of what God wants. And that's true for all of us. Many times our motives can just be so centered on what we want and our desires that we kind of leave God out of the equation. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there many times where it's like, God, here's, here's what I want to do. Here's what I want you to bless. Here's what I want you to help me figure out. And God's saying, hey, where, where am I in the mix? What is your motive? Take a look at what it says in Galatians 1. Am I now trying to win the appro- approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, as we say yes to a relationship with God, as we say yes to a relationship with Jesus, it's not simply about winning the approval of others. And sometimes we can get caught up in that because some of us are more wired and I I can feel that tension too. I want to please people. I want people to be impressed with me. I don't know if you feel that pressure, but many times we can live up those decisions that we want to make because we want people to think that we live or act a certain way and instead of really just living and making our decisions the way God wants us to live. See, you can't get to the right place when you start with the wrong motives. Motives matter to God. We won't do the right what if we are driven by the wrong why. We won't get to the right what if we're driven by the wrong why. And so when we take a look and it was like, hey, should I buy this car? And and the question is, why should I buy it? Is it because I need transportation and I have the money? Or is it because I'm trying to make a statement that I simply can't afford or should I compliment someone because I'm really being sincere and I, I think they're a really nice person, so I'm going to compliment them? Or is it because I want them to think better of me? What is the motive? Should I post this photo on social media because I'm, I'm trying to honor Christ with my life? Or is it because I'm trying to draw attention to myself? See, motives matter. And we've got to get to the right why before we get to the right what. See, when we start out, we, we, it becomes about impressing people because I want to impress you, right? I want people to like me. I want to be validated. Many times we even want to be envied, but we've got to get to the point where it becomes all about our relationship with God and simply saying, God, my why, my why is because I want to please you. I want to please you. In Colossians, it says this, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, do it all for the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter what it is that you are doing, do it to serve Christ there. And see, you may be in a season where you're a stay-at-home mom and you are drowning in laundry and poop. And I understand this season, but if you are in that season, serve the glory of God. Be the best doer of laundry and have the cleanest baby poop-free butt cracks ever to the glory of Jesus. I know it's a tough season, but in this moment you are raising your child, you're praying over them, you're telling about God, how God loves them, and you can do this season to the glory of God. Do it for Jesus. You may be a student, and you're like, man, I'm called to great things. I want to do all of these good things, but you've got to start small. You're like, man, I'm going to be a missionary overseas someday, and maybe just to the glory of God, you got to start by being a missionary in your math class. You've got to start there. Maybe you're like, man, I I'm just a minimum wage fry guy. I make the fries. Will you make those fries, the best fries they have ever seen to the glory of God? And if you do those fries in that way, someday you will be promoted to burger flipper. And I'm telling you, then you do that to the best of your ability, to the glory of God. You make SpongeBob proud on those Krabby Patties. But you do it all for the glory of God. Whatever it is you are doing, serve Christ there. Serve Christ there, wherever you are. Are at. See, God's will is a who before it is the do, and it's a why before the what. I don't know if you've ever felt this way before, but many times when we see people who we deem that they've arrived or they're successful or they've made it, we just assume that it was just a couple of big decisions that they made that just got them to the right point. But that's not the case at all. Many times and most times, every time when people get to a point where we deem they're successful or they've done something that we admire, it's because of the daily small decisions that they made every single day. It's not simply about making a couple big decisions and we arrive and we get there, but it's about all the seemingly mundane decisions we have to make day to day that get us to that point, get us to that divine direction, that destination that we're trying to get. It becomes so easy to just think it's about a couple big life decisions, but really it starts in the small decisions that we make. It's the countless decisions that we make to deny ourselves and instead to follow after Jesus. When I think about my life and all of the times where I was desperate for divine direction, I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but there are times we make decisions, and sometimes we talked about some things that it's not really that big of a deal, right? This is isn't like life-altering stuff, but sometimes the decisions we make, they are a really big deal, and I can think about those times in my life where I was just so desperate to be like, God, I, I just need to know that you're in this. I need you to help me make this decision, and just time after time, I was just so dependent on what God wanted me to do, and as I was reflecting and thinking about this and preparing for this I could think of no greater example than what we were currently going through when we moved our family here back to Pittsburgh to start Treeline Church. See, you may know some of our story and you you may not, but previous to to living here, I've lived in several different parts of the country. And before we lived back here in Pittsburgh, we were in the state of Indiana for 11 years, actually in my wife's hometown. And I was a part of a church there. I was on staff for 10 years doing student ministry. And there was a church plant just like this. I came on year one. It was an amazing, amazing thing. The church grew. The student ministry was wonderful. We had an amazing team. We actually had our first building. We were portable like this, and we got a building and moved into it. Um, I was working full-time doing that. My wife was working full-time in a job she really enjoyed. Um, our in-laws were living right down the street. They were retired. They were our child care. Things were going really great. Just point in case, things were comfortable. Things were secure. Things were safe. This was like this, things were going well. There was no reason to rock the boat. I don't know if you've ever been in a season of life where you're like, there are no big earth shattering decisions to make because things are good. And that's where we were in life. But we felt this tug in our heart that God was calling us to something more. And this seed began to be planted of God saying there's there's a church that we want to plant, that we want to start. And God began to birth this vision in us. And we didn't know what it looked like. And so, of course, we started praying for that direction, praying for that divine direction. God, what is your will? What should we do? I mean, there's no reason to up and leave any of this. And I don't know if you know this, but church planting is something that's not, there is no security in it. There is no safety net in it. It is something that is wildly insecure. It's unstable. It's unsure. It's uncertain. Matter of fact, church plants fail. It's something that's not a guaranteed. It's not a given that you say, hey, I'm going to go start a church. And it always works out. There's risk involved with it. And so we got to this point where we just had to ask God, what is your will? What are you wanting to do? And we felt God prompt it in our hearts. And we laid it before God. Where do you want us to go? We're willing to go wherever a church is needed. And so we didn't have our eyes set on Pittsburgh. It wasn't our target to be like, hey, I'm going to go back to my hometown. No, that's not happened at all. God totally opened the door. and We were looking everywhere else. But God said, this is where I want you to be. And we were so surprised and pleasantly surprised because I love this city. And so when God opened the doors for us to come here, we had a really hard decision to make. And so we made that decision to, to pack up and leave the comfort, to leave the security, to leave the job security, to leave the social networks that we had spent 11 years building, and the friends and the family, and the friends that we had that were family, and the church family we had, and the student ministry that we had, and all the, the people that God had brought into our lives. And it was a really great place and a great season. But we felt God saying, it's time to go. It's time to move. And see, in that decision, it would have been really easy to be motivated by something else. But in the midst of that, before we made that decision, God was far more concerned with who I was, with who we are as a family, far more before we made the decision and pulled the trigger to go start a church. And see, God was far more concerned with our motives behind it. Why are you wanting to do this, Brian? Why, why is your family wanting to do this? And see, it's seemingly, oh, well, Brian just wants to go move back and be by family. Or, you know, we want to start this great church and be cool. And Brian just wants to be a lead pastor now because there's so much more glory in that than being a student pastor. No, it's just like more like more responsibility and more trouble. But what is the motive behind it? Why? It's because I know what God has done for my life that I've experienced insurmountable pain and tragedy and difficulty in my life, no difficulty to most of you. But in the midst of it, I have seen a God who has been faithful over and over and over again in my brokenness, in my tragedy, in my strife, in my pain, in the confusion, in the doubt, in the wondering, God, where are you? I've seen him time and time again show himself to be faithful. And so the why behind why we did this is not because we didn't want it. We wanted to start a cool church. It's not because we want to play church service on Sunday and have come people sing a couple of songs and hear a great message, throw a couple bucks in the bucket and be out here. That's not our heart at all. It's because we have experienced the goodness of God and we want other people to experience it as well. Why do we need another church? It's a great question. Do we need any more? Of the answer as long as there are people who are still far from God, who still need to know the love of God, to know that there's a God who loves them, that cares for them, wants relationship with them, as long as there are people out there who still need a church family to connect to and call home, as long as there's still people out there who need to know there's a place where they can come and be messed up and have questions and not sure what's going on in life and just frustrated, ready to throw in the towel, think that they're on their last shot, last chance, that it's beyond them, that God couldn't love them, that they're unforgivable, as long as there are people out there like that who need to experience the love of God, the answer will always be yes. And this became the why behind our what. Worked with students for about 15 years. Recognized that it's an incredibly marginalized part of ministry. It's not sexy. It's not fun. It's not great to try to work with kids and with teenagers. It's it's so hard. And we see in our culture Generation Z is the first post-Christian generation in our nation. No memory of the gospel. You can't reference simple Bible stories. You can't reference simple truths of the gospel, of who Jesus is, any of it. They don't understand any of it. Why? Because it's gone so far removed, generation after generation removed from the gospel and the good news of who Jesus Christ is. So God planted a seed in our hearts that we wanted to start Tree Line Church to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. And this became the why behind the what of leaving the comfortable, of leaving what we knew, of leaving the reliable, the great things in the midst of it saying, yes, God, we will answer the call and seeing God be faithful to raise up others who jumped in, who answered the call and said, yes, we're in this. But in the midst of it all, to make those decisions, God was more concerned with who we are and the motives behind it than what it is we did or what it was we did. See, and at the end of our life, approaching 40 now, so, you know, kids are getting older start thinking about those things, got a plan for retirement, all that good stuff that no one does, right? Some of us do. But as I think about that and think about the end of my life, and, and I pray that I get to live a, a long old life and get to enjoy my children and, and God willing, my grandchildren, and I, and I get to live a long, full life. And I hope that someday I get to die in a bed of old age, and that would be most ideal because, you know, it probably wouldn't be great, you know, to have that happen in church preaching. like one day he was preaching and one day he wasn't. You know, it'd be terrible, probably mostly for you guys, but, you know, I'd, I'd be gone. But I'm hoping that someday it's in a, in a bed someday somewhere and that, I'll be sitting there with Christy and get to, to get to hold her hand. And, and I guarantee the things that we talk about in those moments won't be like, man, wasn't it great that we got to be a part of that church in Indiana and we got a building and we saw God do all, it, it, I don't think it'll be those things. I don't even think it'll be like, God, can you can you believe that we got to start a church and see what God, and you know, we started this thing and say this, just, this goes and this grows and we see teenagers come in and we get to reach people and we see children from a young age get to grow into adults and know God and it'll be amazing. But at the end of day, those won't be the things that we will probably talk about. We'll talk about all the private decisions that were made in the challenging moments. We'll talk about the who we were, that who we were as a family, the why we did things, the why we did things like, like stories like last night when I, I wanted to go over my notes for this message one more time. But my two-year-old grabbed my hand and said, Daddy, let's go play. And so I put the iPad down and I went and played with my daughter. See, those will be the things that matter. When we take a look at all the decisions, all the things that we want to do in life, when we begin to live with that filter and look at the end and say, what do I want my life to be about? And it brings that clarity on what really is important. And many of the times, the things that trip us up so much and the decisions that we try to make, in the end, it just seems so insignificant. Because in the end, it'll really about who we are and why we did the things that we did. See, and as we talk about this over the next couple of weeks, see, notice it's not divine destination. It's not about where we're trying to get. It's called divine direction. Because it's not about arriving in some destination. It's always moving towards Jesus. It's always trying to become more like him. It's about examining our motives and why we do and who we're becoming. I want to conclude with this. If you're becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. And if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. See, friends, it is so much more about the who and the why than it is about the do and the what. But whatever it is that you do, do it for the glory of God. Would you bow your heads with me? I don't know where you're at in this season of life and maybe you've had some big decisions coming up and maybe you feel that you've been struggling to figure out God's will. Maybe in the past you feel like you haven't done such a great job and maybe you feel the sting of the regret of making some decisions that just are painful. Or we all know that moving forward we'll all be faced with decisions that quite honestly we're just gonna need God's direction in. So if that's you today and you would say, Brian, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me as we seek divine direction, as we dive into this series? If that's you and you're saying, I need God's help to give me direction, would you just raise your hand while no one's looking around? If that's you, you wanna pray for direction. Awesome, I see those hands. Awesome, I see those hands. You can put them down. Awesome, I see those hands. Awesome, awesome. Okay, put your hands down. We're gonna pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today and we just ask that you would lead us. God, that you would guide us in the decisions that we make. But first and foremost, God, as we seek your will in the decisions for our life, God, that we would understand that you are more concerned with who we are and who we are becoming than what we do. God, help us remember, God, that you are more concerned that we are becoming like your son, Jesus, than what it is that we do. And God, help us remember, God, that you are, you think motives are important, God, and the why behind what we are doing, God. Help us to let our why be driven by who you are and what you have done for our lives. God, the easy thing is to be so self-centered and so self-focused, God, that we only think about ourselves. God, I pray maybe even for the first time as we're seeking you, God, we would ask you what your will is, that we would check our heart, that we would pray that prayer in Proverbs. Examine my heart, O. God, God, what is my heart's reason? Why do I want to do this? God, and I pray that as we do that, as we find the right who and the right why, God, you will lead us to the right decision. While your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed today, I want to give you the choice today, to make the best decision you could ever possibly make. So you may not know or may have heard before, but there is a God who created you and he loves you, and he wants nothing more to have relationship with you. But see, here's the thing. Every single one of us, we have fallen short of what God has required of us. It's this thing called sin, which sounds like this big, scary word. It just simply means we miss the mark for what God had for us, and we all have done it. We all do it. All of us fall short of the standard that God has for us, but the good news is that it's not about us that it's not about us being good enough and letting our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds. It's not about getting our stuff together and being good enough for God. No, 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 no. God loves you right now where you are, how you are, in the mess that you're going through, in this pain that you're in, in the struggle that you face, in the confusion, in the anger, in the doubt, in the uncertainty, whatever it is that you are facing, God loves you now where you are, as you are, how you are. And God sent his son, Jesus, the best decision that he could have ever made to send his son to die, to pay the price so that you could freely come to him and have relationship. And he wants to lift all that weight. He wants to lift off that guilt, those false expectations of you feeling that you have to do it on your own, that you have to have all the answers. And he's simply calling you to relationship with him. And it just starts by surrendering your life to him, saying, God, I can't do this anymore on my own. I need you come into my life. Forgive me. If that's you today, we want to give you the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. And if you're here today, and at one point you said that prayer, you invited Christ into your life, but life just began to happen. Maybe you made some decisions that you've regret, and you feel that you've got too far away from him, that today God is saying with arms wide, and welcome home, and he doesn't hold it against you, but he loves you and he's waiting here with forgiveness and acceptance. And so if that's you today, either one of those categories, if you're saying, I want to make a decision for the first time, I want to recommit my life to him. I'm going to ask you now, while no one's looking around, this is for God. It's not for me. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to single you out. But just raise that hand if that's you. If that's you today and you want to make a decision for Christ, just slip your hand up if that's you. Awesome. Awesome. See that hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down. We're going to pray this together out loud. I'm going to ask everyone to repeat after me out loud so that no one prays alone. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe in you. Thank you for giving your life for me. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new. Help me to follow you all of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Can we clap? Can we make some noise for those who made a decision for Jesus today? So awesome to see that. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at treeline.church or on social media. Our mission is to see family trees changed by a lifelong relationship with Jesus. We hope you can listen or join us next week.